Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Motivational Monday on Justin, the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm the host, and today I have with me my new co-host for Motivational Mondays over the next few weeks, J.R. Tao. How are you doing today, J.R.? I'm doing great, Justin. How are you, man? I'm doing amazing. And for those of you who don't remember, JR was on episode eight, and he's with the Goat Beef Jerky Company. And for those of you who don't remember what the GOAT stands for, it stands for the greatest of all time. So today what we're going to do is I've asked JR to pick the Motivational Monday quote and topic, and I'm going to have him read it and sort of talk about how it affects him, and then we'll go from there and talk about how we can use it to motivate ourselves in our daily lives and in our business. So, JR, uh, the stage is all yours. Hey, Justin. You know, uh, thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun doing episode eight with you, and then, you know, this. I'm hoping this will be just as much fun. So, um, I, you know me, I'm a Ford, I'm a huge Ford guy. Uh, you cut me open and I'll bleed blue. It, it happens. So, you, and what people don't know outside of the vehicle industry is, is, or at least that they don't consider it is that, you know, Henry Ford was a genius and, and there's a lot that people can learn from him just going back and reading anything about him. But you know how it goes. You can find quotes from any, anybody. And uh, the the one I picked was uh, by Henry Ford, and it and it goes like this: It says, "Failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently." <laughs> and you know, I I chose that one because um, I. You know, for people that don't know, I I recently started this beef jerky company. And, you know, when you start this company, you have two options. You can you can pay someone to help guide you through the processes of, you know, building a company from the ground up. And they're kind of they're really just holding your hand all the way through and essentially doing it for you. Well, if you're going to be a business owner, you you have to you have to mess up (laughs) you know in in order to be a good leader and a good decision maker you have to make a lot of wrong decisions and i promise you i did that (laughs) and and i and i call all those wrong or bad decisions failures um which there's you know you learn a lesson from each one and then move move forward and and you know when you get an opportunity to make a similar decision you remember that uh mistake you made and put more thought into it the next time or, you know, reach out to someone that you would consider an advisor of sorts that could not necessarily do it for you, but more, moreover, give you options or scenarios as far as how to go about making the right decision. And that right decision is specific for each person or industry or, (laughs) you know, it's not the same. It's, there's no cookie cutter right answer in in business you know i mean at least not for me i haven't seen that yet i don't know about you justin no i honestly um most of the failures um i've had actually have caused me to pivot which have led to the successes and i often never end up where i intended to go i set a lot of goals and want to get to a lot of places but it's never the road or the business plan i've ever designed for sure and um, just so the audience knows, just like JR, I have a huge 
fondness for Ford. I've never owned any other car other than a Ford. Um, I think I've had three Ford Explorers, a Ford Expedition, two Ford trucks, a Ford Mustang, <laughs> a Ford Escape, a Ford Taurus SHO. And so I've always been tied to it. So I love this topic and I will always buy Ford cars as long as they're around. I believe in the reliability. I believe that the way Henry Ford designed things, as he said, and the willingness to fail and learn made him such an innovator and an entrepreneur in the automotive space. And literally every company um, since Ford does mass production in some way and why Toyota has kind of tweaked it to be lean production, all the fundamentals that we use in the automotive business are still his and I, even in, in all of manufacturing in general, I know in the food world that we use a lot of those same theories in food and, and, you know, manufacturing and just in time and, and, you know, standardizing things helps for economies of scale and things like that. But back to what you said, the hardest part about being an entrepreneur, and we did another motivational Monday on this, but failure is so hard for people to get over and it, and it can be frightening. You know, um, for me, sometimes, I mean, I set high goals. It's just one of the things I do. And I said, sometimes even when things are going really well and I beat those goals, the next goals I set, I, I can be hard on myself. And I often don't look back and be like, okay, I've come a long way. You know, and I have learned from my failures. Why do I feel like I'm failing right now? And some of it's just, what is my part in all of that? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. You have to, a failure is just part of it. If you think ever that you're going to have a goal in mind and, and you're trying to achieve that goal, if you think you've got a straight line to get to that finish line, I, hats off to you if that that ever works out. But in my experience, it never does. I mean, I, I set a goal just, you know, to have a destination, but I know there, like you said, the, the key word is pivot. You, you have to be able to pivot. And then in that, if, if you truly are an entrepreneur at all, the pivots are where you find a lot of the good stuff. You know, uh, I hate to, just throw out another one, but it's, it's absolutely my favorite Henry Ford quote of all time. It is, if I had asked the people what they wanted, they would have told me faster horses. (laughs) So, you know, that kind of ties together really Um, by, you know, if you think you're going here, but can't adapt along the way, then all you get is faster horses. <laughs> but if you can uh, embrace the times you have to pivot and do something different because something didn't go the way you wanted it to, man, you're going to find your most success and happiness in those things because the, you, being able to adapt to being able to adapt to those uh, curveballs or whatever you want to call them is kind of what drives the most successful people that we know of, you know, um, uh, you know, Ellen, Ellen Musk, he, <laughs> you know, the, his, he sets unattainable goals for his team. You know that, have you ever read that about him? Yeah. That the, the founder of Tesla, he's like that. I, I push them harder than they could ever be pushed. I don't think they'll ever get there, but 
if they get close, that's pretty damn great. (laughs) 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 I haven't got myself to that point yet, but man, I, I sure hope to be. That's for sure. Well, I mean, the thing about it, and there's two parts I want to touch on. One is, um, you mentioned horsepower, which is a funny thing, uh, and horses, because one is, is when they built cars, obviously horsepower was, they were trying to say how many horses was the engine equivalent to, but actually... Yeah, that was a marketing tool. <laughs> yeah, you got it. It was exactly that. It was a huge marketing tool because people weren't willing to trust a car over their horse, and so they literally attached horsepower as part of the name to these cars so people would say, oh, it is as reliable as a horse. Oh, wait, no, it's reliable as three horses. You know, Correct, yeah. <laughs> and so it's a huge marketing thing. And in pivoting and doing that, it became, you know, we still use the term today, not because we're still attached to horses, but because it became such an amazing marketing tool that it stuck. And people really, you know, it became something that they transitioned to. And the second part I want to say is I think what people do when they set goals or unattainable goals for themselves. I mean, sometimes you actually achieve them. I don't think anyone thought we would actually land a man on the moon in 1969. And exactly. I mean, we didn't really even have technology. And in my opinion, still to this day, I'm still like, how the heck we were all analog. It wasn't like we were digital anything. Did we take a human, a group of humans and get them to the moon and land on it and you know that was i mean what 50 years ago now almost and uh, or actually it is 50 years i guess this year Uh and um and so setting those high goals they may be crazy but you have the right leadership and the right group of people that are willing to strive for it then they don't back off and failure yeah people died during doing that you know people died building ford cars at the beginning you know there wasn't the state safety and the things that are there but people believed in what they were doing and people took upon the leadership of henry ford or elon musk or john f kennedy um and later lbj that um and arguably whatever your opinion is on their leadership the point is is that they inspired people to do it and that's crazy because a group of people believed enough in it to do it. And we that's what we do as entrepreneurs. It may be crazy. It may sound crazy to become a big company or provide food or, in your case, put beef jerky all over the globe. But setting the goal and then inspiring the people to do it um, is important. And then the willingness to fail, like we talked about, because you're going to have to fail in order to get it. It's not just going to happen. And if it just happens you know, something's not right. We, uh, you know, you know, you know when it's right and when it's wrong. And sometimes growing too fast is a problem and having those little failures along the way to keep us in check allows us to grow sustainably. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead, Justin. I'm sorry. No, no. I was going to say I went off on a little bit of a tangent there. So I wanted to make sure I gave you room to comment on that, those items. Yeah. You have to absolutely embrace your failures. I, I don't, can't recall if I already said that, but that's it, those, that's where you learn. For people to say this, man, I went to the school of hard knocks. You know, most people just take that comment in passing. But when you when you break that down to its essence, they mean that means I, I didn't know if I was going to be successful, and I knew I was going to get bruised up, bloodied, and maybe even cut trying to do what I wanted to do and learn what I wanted to learn. But I was willing to do that. You know, and those those are the best lessons learned. 
and I, and I really don't know, man, the snowflake thing right now, I guess is what they're calling people, or I don't know if that's a derogatory statement or not, but that's a, there was no snowflakes around when uh, we were trying to put somebody on the moon, you know, (laughs) those guys were all in, um, let's do this. You know, it wasn't a, well, there's this data that I'm supposed to trust and I will, but if it goes bad, then I'm going to let it go bad. And then I'll have somebody to blame for it. That wasn't the case. Was it? They, they're there. I have a, a, an idea in mind. Uh, you know, we have some decent um, parameters or whatever to get this <laughs> ship up there to the moon. And the guys on board of that did what they could to make it happen instead of sitting back looking for someone to blame for when things didn't go the way they were told it was supposed to. They kind of knew things weren't going to go right, didn't they? <laughs> and, and they just, like like you say, overcome and adapt and, and figure out a way to make it happen. And that that's, man, if we could raise some more people like that, that, that really just want to find a, find a way to achieve success um, based on their own accord, and not blame people for when things don't go their way, then wow, we we would uh, we'd have a pretty inspiring nation of youngsters, wouldn't we? Yeah, and I think that's so important. Is you know one of the things we've done is we've rewarded um, mediocrity, um, and yeah. and while I'm saying we want to reward failure, the reward for failure is the learning lesson in it. That's enough of the reward to learn to do better. But to reward mediocrity, I think, is one of the issues that we're having. Um, and we're teaching people to be content in, in average. Yeah, and, absolutely. And while I'm not saying you need to be a, a, an A-plus student to succeed in the world, and the, the reason that the C and the D students often are some of the most successful business people in the world is because they have something to prove. Because someone gave them those C's and D's and lit a fire under their ass, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and, Justin, you're talking to one of those guys. I did terrible in school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All I heard was peanuts teachers in every class. All I could hear, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, tr- I'm really trying to listen in and understand what you're saying. It just doesn't translate. <laughs> so, yeah, you're you're spot on on that. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, and I think it's... You know, we are the groups that often entrepreneurs are the ones that color outside the lines. And I love that we were talking about this and this is where the podcast is going because we do, while we do need to not, you know, do things as the generation has done before us, but we also need to learn enough from them to improve from it, not take steps backwards. And, you know, you had the greatest generation that's, you know, slowly trickling off as they get older and it's a sad thing and the reason they were the greatest generation ever is because they were willing to do whatever it took to find success including self-sacrifice and you know there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there you know and and jr being one of them and the group of people that i work with is that we're willing to go out there and sacrifice ourselves and, and do what's best for the company and do what's best for the employees and help grow our businesses. And we're in the trenches every day 
But what we're not doing, other than the entrepreneurs that are in this who are passing it on to their children, is the rest of the world isn't teaching their children the work ethic that it takes or the ability to succeed or, you know, and every, nothing, like you said, is ever their fault. I mean, if I hear this is not my fault one more time, I'm like, <laughs> why is it that we're shaming people so much that they want to say it's not my fault? Like, how about you say it's your fault and you take pride and it's at your fault that you tried it and you failed? You know, I don't know yeah. why we've shifted that that thing so badly. You know, you, that's ex- you nailed it. There it is. The what you know, going back to the one of the greatest generations ever that's slowly, uh, unfortunate way of saying it, dying off. Uh, what people aren't getting from that generation, which I was blessed with uh, having a conversation with someone one day and uh, defining wisdom to me, you know, uh, wisdom doesn't necessarily mean, like you say, they made straight A's in school or things of like that. That means they've been there and, and done that. And, and they can give you instruction and somewhat guide you through your own course, but, not it's not this i I don't know i just i don't know how to say what i'm trying to say but it's that generation has something invaluable and that's wisdom they've been there and done that and for anybody listening that has someone in elderly that that has accomplished anything in their life if they just have a conversation with them and listen to what they have to say about how they accomplished what they what they were proud of and you know the things they had to do to get there, which is huge. You know, that certainly those people didn't have it as easy as we do. Right. <laughs> they, they had to put in a whole lot. Uh, they had a whole lot more at risk than most anyone today trying to put themselves out there and do something different than waking up, clocking in, blaming it, blaming things on their boss, why their life sucks unfortunately that's the career you chose, but it's your boss's fault in some sort of way, right. For hiring you. (laughs) That's exactly it. (laughs) And you know, as, and I, I have a personal attachment to this, but you know, my son's a, he, he'll, he'll be pissed at me for hearing me say this if he even listens, but uh, he's pretty, he's a pretty accomplished little athlete. And I, I didn't get to play sports very much in school. I wanted to, uh, but as I previously stated, my grades didn't cooperate with uh, competing in sports. But this kid, he's 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 pretty sharp, and he gets to do whatever athletic event he wants. And man, is that if those aren't some of the best life lessons people can learn? Uh, as long as the parents stay out of the way, (laughs) if those kids get out there and get a chance to fail and, and, uh, you know, they achieve success based on their own swing of the bat or they go sit down because of their swing of the bat. And if the parents will stay out of the way and let the kid realize, man, I swung at a bad pitch or, oh, I knew that was my pitch and that's the one I wanted and just jumped on it. Those are great lessons. Yeah. Those are things that are earned, which is something else undervalued. It's a, the feeling you get from earning something on your own accord, something you did all yourself, and 
achieve success because no one else was there, just you and the situation and boom, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you got something you want to put a smile on your face or you're not real happy with yourself and you go sit down and you don't blame anyone else. It, it's your fault. <laughs> it looked like it was going to be a ball, but it turns out it was a strike and you didn't swing at it. Really sorry about that, but that's on you. <laughs> yeah, and I love that. I think that's so important. And the whole thing of everyone gets equal playing time thing is a totally blows my mind type of thing. Like, wait a second, we're not teaching them to earn their way in life, that life is going to be mm -hmm. this equality of life. And for lack that's of a better it. term, you, it's it. socialism and sports. And I'm like, how is that happening right now? Why are Because we people think that, yeah, sorry, Justin. No, no, I, go I ahead. Want I want you to go ahead. Go, people think. Because... People think that equal and fair are the same things. They're yeah. not. No. They're absolutely equal is not, not the same thing as fair. We can be fair to everyone, but equal is earned. <laughs> you know that I'll be fair to you and and give you the same opportunities that I'm going to give everyone else. However, what is what the yield of that is is based on that individual person's effort, and that's what that's what's frustrating i've had this conversation with a good friend of mine he's a doctor in mustang where we live and and he's he's told me had conversations about people saying man my jimmy's mom is mad because he doesn't get to get equal playing time well and that's where i got it it, it he said that's what he said well equal is not fair it's not the same he doesn't get equal playing time i give him a fair chance to earn that playing time but he doesn't get the same playing time if he doesn't produce as much as Bobby or, you know, whatever, trying to leave names out of it. But that, how do we teach that? <laughs> how do we teach people that equal and fair are not the same thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it is, that is, a, I'm, I'm glad you said that actually Deborah and I talk about all that, that all the time in life and employees and my stepdaughters and everything is what people don't realize is the, the fairness is in the opportunity to do it, but yep. the being equal is a matter of how much you want to fight for it. I mean, there wasn't, if you want to talk about equality uh, in back in the day, you know, we can argue it wasn't equal, but that the group of people that fought to make equal rights, to make things quote unquote <clears throat> equal, it wasn't like it started off equal for them. They had to fight for it, and it's the same thing that we need to look at in all of our opportunities in life. We, if we want it to be equal, we got to fight for that equality. But I can tell you what: once we get equal, we're going to complain that it's equal because we're going to. If you're <laughs> fighting for it, then we're going to yes. want. Why am I not getting more? And you're like, well, yep. wait a second. You were just complaining two weeks ago; it wasn't equal, and now you're complaining why why it is equal and you don't have more. And so, you know, that's just to keep in mindset that the, the thing we really need to understand as human beings is that no matter where we live or what we do, we are naturally competitive with one another, with our neighbor. And people always say, oh, what are the Joneses doing down the street? But that's because we're naturally competitive. It's not sure. a comparison to compare ourselves that we keep getting attached to, whether it's on social media, as we discussed earlier, whatever that we're not, it shouldn't be there to compare ourselves. It should be there to motivate us and inspire us to do better. If we're comparing ourselves, then we're like, okay, well, I don't have this and he does. And woe is me. How about, Hey, how do I get that plus <laughs> more? You yeah, know? exactly. And the, and the trick is just 
finding a way to be honest with yourself. <laughs> yeah. I'm not in competition with you. Yeah, you you kind of are, and there's nothing wrong with that. Be in competition with me. Good. <laughs> you know, I, I actually, golly, I wish I could recall who it was that I, I was speaking with the other day. Uh, I'll, forgive me, I'll move on from that. But they said, uh, you know, it, it was some sort of a meeting regarding our, our company, and, and they said, well, what are your competitors doing? Uh, about this you know given subject and I, <laughs> uh, they looked at me like i was a fool but i said i couldn't tell you yeah and to be honest with you i don't give a damn <laughs> yeah i don't i don't care what my competitors are doing i'm i'm vaguely aware that there's other companies that make jerky and they can go and do their things i guess what i buy jerky that's not my brand because there's other stuff out there i like and that's okay but guess what i think mine is the greatest of all time of course <laughs> yeah so so i don't want to be concerned with uh what the other guys local or or nationwide or whatever what they're doing why do i want to go and do what they're doing just yeah. because they found some success in you know that certain subject doesn't mean that we're going to you have to you have to tailor things that fit uh your leader's personality and and you know skill set uh you have to tailor things towards the personnel you have on hand you may not have the same kind of people on staff that this company has that you're trying to do what they're doing that it just seems unreasonable and you know the list goes on and on but uh, i didn't mean to go off on a rant there but it, it was i i still why would you ask me what my competitors are doing first yeah. of all i don't feel that i have any competitors and secondly I don't care what they're doing. <laughs> Let them do their thing. I've got to figure out my own way. That's how I get find success is finding what works for me and my people that I have surrounding me. And there's three points on that really is if you're focusing on your competitor, one, you're comparing yourself to them and that's not but limiting. But, yeah. <laughs> and then, so there's negativity there. Two is, is you're not being authentic and true to yourself and you're not going to find success unless you run the business and move the business and lead the business that's true to you. So I always find that same thing. I, I can't tell you how many times I get asked that same question. I'm like, I don't even know. And it doesn't really matter to me, nor do I care. I'm just, I'm keeping my eye on the goal, not on my competitor. So my third yep. part is, is, and I've talked about it on this podcast before, is there's a picture that I love from the Olympics of Michael Phelps, and he is just crushing it. But the guy that's in second place can't help but keep looking at him as he's swimming, and all he, where he's looking is just at the finish line. And that's it. If you're going to concentrate on your competition, you're always going to be second. Because one, yep. you're only, they're doing it well, but you're only going to do it second best to them because you're never going to be able to replicate their model and their success. So you may replicate some of it, but you're always going to be second and That's, you're, you're yes. never going to be first. And so I'll, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I love that. That's, that's one of the better lessons my uh, if you want to call him that, my mentor um, at the company I used to work for before I started the jerky company, he he said to me one time, and it was not directed at me. <laughs> so, but he said that, um, see if I can get the quote exactly right. He said, you know, if your if your goal is to be average, you will always come up short. Yeah. And that's something that resonated with me, and I'll never forget it. You know, those that's some of the that's an 
those are pretty wise words, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. If, if you just want to fit somewhere in the middle, you're never going to get there. And that, that kind of ties it back into pushing yourself and, you know, building on your failures by just doing it again with a little better approach the next time, right? I love that. I, I, <laughs> I should make that guy a plaque and send it to him. He's, he's a very good, still a very good friend of mine, even though he was, you know, he's the vice president of the company I left, but um, those, it, and he was also a big sports guy. Um, <clears throat> big drop, you know, he played college sports. Uh, his son played uh, college sports and professional sports. And, you know, I got to think those mindsets all kind of tie together somehow in, in finding success. Yeah, absolutely. I think in sports for kids is just is such an important part. I just, I don't want, I think it's a shame that we're trying to push our own agendas on it and we're robbing our children of the most valuable lesson, which is life, you know, it doesn't work that way. It's not like every person goes and works for a company and gets equal pay and, and gets equal opportunity and, and all of that. I mean, then we wouldn't have the success we have. And, and obviously countries like the USSR have demonstrated that equality across the board and fairness across the board and manufacturing. It goes against human will. Uh, number yeah, one. It does. And number two, it's just, you're not going to find success in it. And it's just not sustainable long term because we need to be competitive as human beings. And I do, I think that's, you know, when JR gets on the next episode, I guess it's probably my turn to find a quote, but I really <laughs> think we're probably getting into something on competitiveness and what it means. And um, we've talked about it in a few episodes on motivational money, but really I think we're diving into the real deep things here and JR and I see a lot of things the same way, and I think it's important. But one of the things, you know, I want to tell you, JR, and I want to tell the audience is there's this great program that just came out on Netflix, and we, we started off talking about Ford, so we're definitely over the next few episodes, JR's on, going to talk more about cars and things like that because <laughs> I love it. But it's a Formula One documentary, basically, um, that's just came out on Netflix um, that's – I'm like literally an overnight Formula One fan suddenly. And um, I've watched it once and then I watched it and Deborah, I started showing it to her and she's like, oh, I got to watch this with you. But the business lessons in this documentary, uh, it's just incredible. Forget the, the, the whole cars and love of cars, which is a whole thing. But these are literally 10 businesses that are having to manage employees and egos and they're not only do they get rated on how well their drivers do, but they get rated on how well they do as a team. So they get, you know, the constructors cup, which is each team, you know, rankings, and then they get the driver rankings and who does the best driver. And, you know, it shows that fairness is allowing each team to be there. You know, if you have the money and you're willing to go in there, fine, fairness is there, but there's no budget. So teams can spend different amount of monies. Teams can recruit different type of drivers. Teams can actually, the cars are not standard. They're standard rules, but within those standards, each team has leeway on how to build and design their cars uh, around their drivers. And so it shows this exact lesson we're learning. So what I think we'll do is, and I'll find a quote from some great Formula One driver, but next week I want to just talk about that documentary. And JR, if you got time, I swear you need to watch this thing. It was it blew my mind. 
but let's... yeah, that sounds great. I'm I'm excited about that. I I love these things. Yeah. So they... <laughs> and Formula One starts this weekend, which is perfect timing. So now I've like got a subscription to the Formula One channel. It's like what great marketing because now I'm totally bought in and and didn't know a single Formula One driver's name until this past week. But um, uh, wow. Um, so. I think that should be our topic for for next week is we can tie that back into business and start from there since we'll just sort of keep everything related to automotive and Ford and and cars, which to my disappointment there's not a single Ford engine in Formula One. But you know you know Oh, keep, there's not? No, not right now. And uh so they, to my disappointment. The, uh, go ahead. They had the Lincoln the, I'm sorry, Lincoln, the the Lincoln L S that that car had a uh a, a V8 in it, and the, the cylinders were about the size of a ping pong ball, I believe. But that was their V8 engine. I, I didn't know that they they didn't still have that. Which I, I guess technically that's not a Ford, right? But yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, but I think yeah. one of the things it's like now I have this little freaking thing in the back of my head. It's like okay, now I really need to set a goal. I need to go change that and get a Ford engine back into the Formula One and. There is one American company, the Haas Group, so I'm proud that there is an American team, even though the drive, there's no American drivers uh, in Formula One right now. But yeah. these are some of the things, like, I'm like, okay, what is going on here? What are we doing that we don't have a Formula One race car driver as an American? Like, we have all these NASCAR drivers. And why, don't, why aren't we as Americans build, building quality enough engines that they can become a Formula One thing? I guess it could be a profitability versus budget versus expense thing to build the engine but why aren't we priding ourselves on building the best engines in the world that end up in these formula one cars and so, again i think it goes back to our topic where we've sort of dulled competition and we've dulled victory yes. in com competition but i would love to talk you about that next week for sure Absolutely. Hey, Justin, I'll tell you this. If you're trying to champion a uh, Ford engine in the Formula One, I can tell you, uh, and I, I'm a fan, of course, and I don't know if any of anyone's ever seen or looked at our social media close enough to see that I've got a an S550 Mustang sitting on jack stands in my warehouse that's currently being built. <laughs> We're trying to we're trying to push that thing up to about 3,000 horse, which would be great, just just for fun. Promotional item for the company, of course. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, the only way that's going to be possible is what we have to buy a – it is a Ford engine. It's a Coyote block, right, the 5.0, 5-liter engine. Yep. Uh, but there's a company out of, I believe – and I apologize if they ever hear about this. I think they're in New Mexico or – California, I can't recall. They're called Modular Motorsports Racing. They take a solid chunk of aluminum and they machine this exact Ford replica block out of a solid chunk of aluminum. <laughs> they call it the uh, Gen X Coyote. And that sucker is, you can turn it like 10,000 RPM. <laughs> that, that is the Ford engine that belongs in the formula one racing. So if you're looking for one to start a campaign about <laughs> look them up, you're going to be blown away after we get finished with this podcast and look at their YouTube videos the, of these guys machining this engine 
out of a solid chunk of aluminum. It's it's amazing to me. Er, well, it's amazing to me because I, you know, I kind of came from a machine shop type background, so it, it was fun to uh, to watch these things. And anyway, I didn't mean to take over where you're going. With no, that, no, that's perfect. I, I love I talking about it. <laughs> no, no, I I want to talk about this more, and I think we're at a perfect point to sort of. Um, take this episode and, and give the audience time to, to look at the documentary for net on Netflix, you and I to, to look at it more and then come back around next week and record more about this experience and what we can learn from the formula one racing and the documentaries and have the first race take place. But I definitely want to come back and talk about it. Cause I think cars are something everyone's interested in and the lessons can be tied back to food and food production in so many ways and entrepreneurship and, and all of that in the model. Um, so JR, thank you for taking the time to do a motivational Monday with me and I appreciate it for sure. Absolutely, Justin. And thanks again for having me on it. It's fun for me to do a nice little break from, uh, the grind, if you will, <laughs> yeah. get out of yourself for a little bit is probably a good thing. Yes, it is. I should Absolutely. say properly. I know it is. I have to do it myself. Yeah, you do know often. it is. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, man. that's how the whole podcast started. I thought it'd be a way to get out of myself for a little bit and help other people. And, um, you know, that's been great. And on that note, if people like what we're doing and you like our episodes, you know, people are volunteering their time and JR and the other entrepreneurs that are on this show and Deborah and I are volunteering our time. We're not getting paid. No one's getting paid for any of this. And while people are promoting their business, they're really being vulnerable and telling their story. So share what we're doing here. You know, all we ask is that you tell someone about our podcast and, and try to help someone and let them listen in and maybe learn from what we're doing here. You know, we don't ask for anything. We don't collect any money. We're just out there trying to spread the word and help people. And a little <clears throat> bit like we talked about on this podcast is we're trying to educate the next generation to be a better generation and, and regain the work ethic and the hard work yeah. we were known for as Americans. And, and any other country out there that's listening, you know, you know, it's the same thing. How do we become the greatest generation ever, not only as the United States, but as a, as a world as a whole and really bring this, bring this forward. So please share what we're doing because I think what we're doing here, um, you know, it wasn't our intent when we started the podcast. It was to share and help other food entrepreneurs, but we're really starting to see people learn and, and want more information. And as Jay and R just talked, we didn't come up with a script. We sort of threw out a topic and, and let it go to where our hearts and our minds are. So <laughs> please, you know, share what we're doing <laughs> again. I'm Justin Bizarro and, uh, you can reach me at Justin and the food entrepreneurs podcast on social media and J.R. Tao, he's, you can reach him on social media at the Goat Beef Jerky and feel free to email him or text him or direct message him over social media. He'd be glad to have you guys try some of his beef jerky. I'm telling you, it will change your life. It is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I literally carry it around with me on business trips, as you can see on the social media on the podcast, that I took it with me to the Virgin Islands everywhere we went. So um, everyone yeah. enjoy, and thank you again, and thank you, Jr. Absolutely, man. 